What's good? What's good, y'all? You're tuned in to the Path of Revelation show. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker. And this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I'm so excited about this show. I think this is a very, very, very important show. I'm going to be talking about hell. You know, hell is a very, very controversial uh, topic, even amongst Christians nowadays. There's a lot of Christians who don't believe in hell. And then there are some Christians who believe that nobody's going to hell but the but demons. And and so what I want to do is in the in the next segment is talk about hell. You know, why don't we talk about hell anymore? Is hell a real place? And if hell is a real place, you know, I've heard people ask, how can a loving God send people there? So I'm going to be answering all of these questions in the next segment. And you do not want to miss it because I believe this is an important, probably one of the most important, if not the most important topics that I've discussed on my show. And so you don't want to miss this. Make sure if you're listening by way of podcast, I, I understand how it is when you're listening to to radio shows or podcasts. Sometimes you're not able to catch the entire episode in one sitting, but I would most definitely recommend you to come back if you have to if you have to take a break. Maybe you're on your way to the grocery store or you're just in the gym and you have a 20 minute workout, 25 minute workout, and you may not be able to catch the whole show, but I highly recommend you to come back. And I also recommend you to share the Path of Revelation show with someone else. The information and the 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 the, the word that goes forth on this show I believe is very needed. Um, especially in this hour for the church. And so later on, I'm going to be talking about hell. Also, I'm going to be dealing with a good that separates us from God. When you ask most people, are you a good person? Most of us usually will respond and say, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm not perfect, but I'm a good person. I do. I do well to others. I'm not out here robbing and killing and stealing and doing things of that nature. And most of us will claim to be a good person. But I want to deal with that from a biblical perspective and challenge and encourage you in this area. Also, make sure you visit pathofrevelationnow.com. Leave your prayer requests. If you have any questions about anything you hear on the show, you can leave it there as well. Or any suggestions that you have for future shows or topics you would like to hear discussed. That's the place to leave it. Also, you can check out the merch and the music and the music videos as well as the blogs. I promise you it'll bless you. Hey, but before we hop into that, let's hop into the featured song for this episode, which is our song, Thriller, featuring Real Paul. It's from our album, Grace and Vanity. That's it. I said, hey world, you may not want to hear me. I said, hey world, you may not want to hear this. Cause you're looking for a thriller, thriller, thriller. You're looking for a thriller, thriller, thriller. Real rapper, I seek the real guy. Sitting real high on this. 
most important yeah. Disobedience just wasn't working no, My flesh wanna start up with my spirit close to Tell you I got it Not talking about my cash flow Or how you make those profits It goes beyond your bank account Transfers or wires We only live for the moment And don't think about hell's fire We fascinated with evil Don't care that sin is lethal Like instead of pleasing God We'd rather please self and people Live for that mansion Bins and those beamers We stunt at the club And cash out casinos Ha ha roller, ha ha roller Don't gamble with eternity Cause when you're dead and gone Who cares about your currency? Looking for that glory Who cares about humility Cause when you think you're God You like Jesus ain't for real to me So blasphemy is easy God be yourself When really self is a force God include power and wealth Bait of the snake The serpent is deceiving Like you can be as God So forbidden fruit we're eating The greatest fall is When you didn't even see you're falling Until you hit the bottom Sing you miss the Lord calling So warning before judgment A chance to be covered So we speak life So the track is written Murdered Y'all attracted to them things that they say Grab fresh out the oven, feed it swift The runner, anything the world say that is buzzing Want that new Gavanti leather You get not us, so you covet Yeah, yeah, y'all know y'all want it Yeah, you do just about anything So you look fly in public But in private, you're a product of what the hood Label to struggle, you're risk rocking Them liquor so fake stress, so you'll be Stunting, but you'll be fronting Use a puppet Say you making big moves, but somebody Choose a fire, Yeah, the world is lost and need a compass Sort of like that wallet out in El Segundo Everybody wants to be the one to follow The last chant with all the green, they call it Rondo I call it greed in a world that wants to compete with a god That they say can only judge them like that's a good thing Y'all playing Russian roulette You can only pull that trigger so many times and get away with it Yeah, y'all want that thriller? I got that Conrad Murray Still too early, huh? Cause you like a bullet. Why don't we talk about hell anymore? And when I say we, I'm talking about we as Christians, we as believers. It's almost like we've made talking about hell automatically equal condemning people to go there but but that's not true not all messages and beliefs about hell being real are created equally not every Christian who believes hell is real is unloving and judgmental and and that seems to be the the stigma that comes with believers or Christians that preach about hell or teach about hell from the professing Christians who believe that hell isn't real or believe that God would never send anyone to hell. And so as I've, I've been observing, there seems to be a growing number of professing Christians coming out and saying they don't believe in hell a lot of which are church leaders worship leaders pastors coming out saying you know what we the church got this hell thing wrong we got this hell thing completely wrong and so what I want to do is I want to talk about 
a few things surrounding the topic of hell. The first thing is, is hell real? What does the Bible say about hell? What does Jesus, what did Jesus say about hell? And secondly, I want to address if God is so loving, as people say, why would he send people to hell? And so, again, I want to deal with two important points. Is hell real? What does the Bible say about hell? Is G what did Jesus say about hell? And secondly, if God is so loving, why would he send people to hell? And so I want to deal with those points. But before, <clears throat> excuse me, before I hop into those points, I want to play a, a quick snippet of a sermon that's being preached at a funeral by Pastor Tim Rogers. For you guys who have no idea who Pastor Tim Rogers is, he's actually a gospel artist. And he's preaching at a funeral of a young man. And the audience is full of people who aren't churchgoers or probably would not identify themselves as Christian. And he goes on to talk about how hell isn't real. And so here's the snippet of the sermon. I do not own the rights to this clip. Oh, I know. He told you. Y'all like y'all wondering. Is he going to hell? You ain't got nothing to do with that. No. Can right. he, 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 he accept Jesus' lessons? See, y'all have been sold a lie. Yes. You've been, you been bamboozled. All of that stuff is a fairy tale. To believe in hell means you have to believe in Santa Claus. I don't care how you cut it. Hell is an imaginary place. Come on, Pastor. And I was taught that if anything that does not have an explanation must be imagined. So that's why you can talk about a hell that you don't know nobody went through. For a billion years, ain't nobody ever came back and told you that they were hot. For a billion years, ain't nobody ever came back and told you that they up and yonder singing around in a choir. Pastor Taylor, and I got your back. You want to know why? And I didn't come to, I didn't come for you to agree with me. I know I done made a lot of y'all salty, but I don't care. That's right. Yeah. Tip on that. I didn't come for you to agree with me. Well, where's hell, Pastor Tim? Hell is what you create. Come on, Pastor. Come on, man. Man, 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 man. So that was a clip of gospel artist, pastor, Tim Rogers, speaking to an audience at a funeral, basically telling them that hell is just a fairy tale and that hell isn't real. And it just breaks my heart. You know, as I watched the clip, because it's on YouTube, as I watched the clip and listened to the people cheer him on and give him amens and I couldn't help but think about 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 through 4 that says for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so what we heard was Tim Rogers preaching that hell is just a myth. And in that, his doctrine is actually a myth. His doctrine is actually false. But it, what, what breaks my heart even more is the fact that there were pastors and preachers sitting in the pulpit as he is saying all of these things and they're not saying anything. They're not taking the microphone from him and proclaiming the true gospel. And so it says a lot about the state of the church because more and more preachers, teachers, singers, worship leaders are coming out and prescribing to this theology, which is really 
rooted in a false grace, a false grace that says God isn't going to really, God isn't going to judge sin. And so if God isn't going to judge sin, what are we saved from? But I was, I was sent recently by, by my little sister in the gospel. I was sent a couple of pages of Jonathan McReynolds' new book, Make Room. And as my little sister sent me the pages, she she sent the text asking me, what do you what do you think about this? And as I read was what was sent to me, Jonathan McReynolds was basically suggesting that we can practically do anything and still go to heaven. And that sin only carries earthly consequences, things like STDs and bad reputation. Um, a quote from what was sent to me, Jonathan writes and says, you can do practically anything and make it to heaven. But that does not eliminate the cold truth of reaping and sowing. Earthly, earthly actions have earthly consequences. Things like contracting an STD, a bad reputation from promiscuous sex won't keep you out of heaven. But you still have to live with the results of what your actions reap on earth. Wow. So basically, he's saying that sin does not have eternal consequences. Sin just has earthly consequences. I'm going to deal with this in a second. But in the last sentence of what was sent to me, Jonathan actually suggests that we shouldn't think that hell is even a possibility for us, that people shouldn't even consider the idea of being sent to hell. And he writes, for a second, stop searching for an answer to will I go to hell if, and consider the worrisome fact that your heart still wonders if eternity in hell is still a possibility for you at all. So basically he's saying, man, stop wondering if you're, if, if, if hell is even a possibility for someone who is in sin, stop even think, study, stop even thinking like that. And so if, 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 if sin only has earthly consequences, then why does Galatians 5 say they that live in the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God? If that is the case. And when the Bible talks about reaping and sowing, it doesn't just talk about reaping and sowing from a natural standpoint, but it's, it's speaking from a spiritual and an eternal standpoint. Galatians 6 and 8 says, for he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit, speaking the spirit of God, shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So the context is an eternal context. And so to imply that sin only has earthly consequences is wrong. We can't use the Bible to talk about the earthly consequences of sin, while on the other hand, denying that same Bible and what it has to say about eternal consequences. And so what I'm seeing more and more is a false gospel that suggests that we are either already living in hell now and more and more pastors and church leaders are adopting a gospel of inclusion which says that everyone is saved whether or not they place faith in Jesus and that some just don't know this truth some just don't know that they're a child of God but the Bible doesn't call everybody a child of God. Of course, the Bible says that God created all, but the Bible does not call everybody a child of God. 
some people as Ephesians labels them are labeled as children of disobedience and children of wrath and this is why we why repentance is necessary but more and more pastors are adopting this gospel of inclusion that everybody is saved even if they never place faith in Jesus and some people are just not aware of this truth even though Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and that no man comes to God the Father but by me Jesus also lets us know in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 through 14 that narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life but broad is the way that leads to destruction in other words there are many ways to destruction but there's only one way to life everlasting and that's through Jesus so what is the gospel what are we saved from are we only saved from earthly consequences and repercussions or are we saved from an eternal damnation the word salvation comes from the word salve which is an ointment used to promote healing of the skin or as protection it means to be preserved salve is an ointment that heals as well and so that's why in the Bible we see oil often represents the anointing because it is the anointing that destroys the yokes Jesus is the anointed one he is God in the flesh he is the power the manifestation of God's power and wisdom and through him we have healing for our soul we have salvation for our soul and so this salvation is twofold so as we are preserved in Christ this preservation or salvation is twofold we are being preserved for him and we are being preserved from destruction and so this brings me to the next point the first point is hell an actual place what does the Bible say about hell what did Jesus say about hell and there are hundreds of scriptures that I can go to but I want to deal with a few scriptures the first is revelations 21 and 8 where John is receiving revelation and he writes but as for the cowardly the faithless the detestable as for murderers the sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death man second thessalonians 1 7 through 9 and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the lord jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus uh oh that means everybody isn't children of God verse 9 they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might listeners hell is an actual place Matthew 25 verse 41 through 46 this is Jesus talking then will he say to those on his left depart from me you cursed into the eternal fire 
prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life and pay attention. He's, he's using the word eternal. That lets us know that this is not just dealing with this life, but this is dealing with eternity. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 through 50. This is Jesus again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. He's given us a metaphor. Verse 49, so it will be, and he's explaining the metaphor now, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Again, everybody isn't a children of God. This is why we have to preach repentance and trust and faith in Christ. Verse 50, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Listen. Hell is a real place. Even when we look at the story of Lazarus, who was poor, and the rich man, and how the rich man went to hell, and Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side, we see that the rich man was in torment while he was in hell. We see that the rich man, and this is found in Luke 16, verse 19 through 31, the rich man was in torment in the flame, and he had all of his senses. He remembered how he treated Lazarus when they were in the land of the living. He remembered how nasty he was and how wicked he was. In hell, he remembered this. He had all of his senses. And he called out to Lazarus, who was in the um, in Abraham's bosom or at Abraham's side. And he said, Lazarus, man, if you can just get a drop of water and cool my tongue from this, from this flame that torments me. And what's interesting about the story is Laz, uh, the rich man did not ask to be released. He didn't say, hey, free me from this place. He just said, cool. he, he didn't ask to free me from this place. He just said, could you cool my tongue or could you allow me to go back and warn my family just to warn them? And it's because he knew he deserved to be there. He was aware that he deserved to be there. And so hell is not just a real place, but it is a place where where those who have rejected the grace of God are aware of why they're there. And so this brings me to the next point and the next question that I always hear people ask. Why would a loving God send people to hell? If God is so loving and so, so loving and, and kind, why would he send people to suffer in hell for eternity? That doesn't make sense. This is what I hear people say. And so if we look at 
John 3:16, which is a scripture that most of most all most of us all know this scripture. But a lot of times we stop at verse 16. And so I want to look at John 3:16 verse 16 through 20. And it reads, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who Ever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him so in other words God's intention is not to send us to hell and he provides grace and and rescue and salvation in Jesus Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Listen, I don't want you to miss this. People don't go to hell because God isn't good. People go to hell because they don't want God who is good. People don't want God who is love. The Bible lets us know that people condemn themselves when they reject the gift of Jesus Christ. It lets us know that people go to hell because they reject God. They reject the gift of Christ. They reject his forgiveness and rather choose their way over him. The Bible lets us know there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. The Bible lets us know that God demonstrated his love towards us, that yet while we were in sin, yet while we were his enemies, Christ died for us that we wouldn't have to be his enemies and that we can be brought into right standing with him. To blame, to say that God is not loving because he sends people to hell would be like you not having brakes on your car and someone comes along fearing for your safety and not wanting to see you crash and they come along and say hey you don't have any brakes don't drive and you decide to get in the car and drive anyway and when you crash and destroy your car and get injured you turn around and blame them for the accident. And so our world and humanity, the problem with humanity is that humanity wants to, wants to exert its authority over God. And ultimately at the root of our pride is the desire for us to be God. And so we're not just trying to exert our authority over God, but ultimately we do that because we want to be God. The Bible lets us know in Romans chapter six, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the free, somebody say free, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This gift is free, but if we reject it, it is not his fault. 
And so the Bible lets us know the wages of sin is death. Nobody goes to work and not expect a paycheck at the end of the pay period. Like you don't go to work. If you know payday is Friday, you don't work all week and not expect to get paid on Friday. You expect to get paid because you put in the work you clocked in and you put in the work. And so you expect your check. The Bible lets us know when we work sin, when we live in sin, that our wages, the wages we can expect is death. But the free gift is in Christ Jesus. We don't have to go to hell. Listen, God is so good. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 16, the Lord God says to us, be holy for I am holy. And because he knows this is an impossible task for us, because his holiness, when, when, when he says he is holy, it means that he is like no other. It means that he just isn't perfect, but he is perfection. And, and, and because he knows this is an impossible feat for us to reach, he gives us Jesus who becomes our perfection who becomes our salvation. And all we have to do is step into Jesus and we are made perfect. Step into Jesus and we are made holy. Because this salvation is not of our works that that we should be able to brag or boast, but salvation is of the Lord. And so Jesus stepped into humanity and live the perfect life that we were unable to live and he became the sacrifice for our sin and all we have to do is turn away from our ways and put our trust in him and God gives us credit for his perfection and righteousness and so in him we are made holy as God is holy but listen why don't we talk about hell anymore? Let me just be honest with you. A lot of us Christians don't talk about hell anymore because we are afraid to offend people. Some of us care more about our relationships with, with people than we do our relationship with God. And we know that hell, the topic of hell and repentance, it's an offensive message. It's an offensive message because we know people ultimately want to do what they want to do. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father in heaven. And some of us are like, well, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I, ju I'm, I just don't talk about hell. Well, you can't separate Jesus from his word. He and his word are one. And so if you're ashamed to tell the truth about hell, that means you're ashamed of him. You can't separate the two. And so why do, why don't we talk about hell anymore? It's because we don't care about the great commission. We care about our careers. We don't care about people's souls. We care about their money. We value our platforms more than people's salvation. We care more about the praise of men than the approval and affirmation from God. And so it isn't loving to tell people that hell isn't real. It isn't loving to tell people that you're not going to hell. Nobody's going to hell. That is not loving. That is actually what the Bible calls deception. 
it's no different than in the beginning when when the serpent spoke to Eve and he twisted the word of God and deceived her. Don't let these famous preachers and these famous gospel artists lie to you about what the Bible says about eternity and what the Bible says about why Jesus died. I would rather listen to Jesus and I would rather listen to the Holy Scriptures than what these people have to say. I don't care how big they're following. I don't care how big their platform. I don't care how big the stage. I don't care how big their name is in the church. If it does not line up with the Bible, don't listen to it. But listen, let's hop into the second featured song for this episode. It's our song Full Time featuring J. Will Music from our album Grace and Vanity. Never clock out. I'm a businessman. I'm about my father's businessman. That's why I'm in my businessman. I keep my hands to myself. Keep my eyes on the prize. I got a few songs on the shelf that's gonna open some eyes. Not trying to act like I'm perfect. I'm just a rapping Steve Verbal. I fell and couldn't get up. And now I feel like Stefan. Say by my words, but I'm created to work. I'm just a Joe with a job. Screaming glory to God. I'm working on this verse at work. At work, they don't know I work the word from what they heard. They don't listen too busy trying to kick it like Jay, why you ain't quitting? You need to be heard. Well, I am not a star, but I like to converse. So talk with me and walk with me. Just step into my office. But if you want to be hired, you're going to button your shirt. I ain't trying to say nothing that's going to get your feelings all hurt. But gangsta rap will be easy. I do this because it works. All about my father's work, work, work. All about my father's work, work, work. All about my father's work, work. Working for the Lord, all about my father's business. All about my father's work. 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 Working for the Lord, all about my father's business. Don't wanna sit around, getting spiritually fat. Honestly, you know us Christians got a pretty good knack for taking good naps while the enemy attacks. At home watching Creflo, eating Big Macs. Uh, something's gotta change, somebody's gotta work. Not just talking on Sundays, go beyond a church. Talking about jobs, families, yeah, even classrooms. We play flag football with our face instead of tackle. Ooh, I know I got up in your space, cause I got up in my own. Get out my comfort zone. <laughs> You got some saints who really seek the throne Praying fast and warfare When they done they need a comb <laughs> Then I can 
concerned about image. They like, we in a game while you're playing in the scrimmage. I'm in it till I finish. Yep, I'm a factor. This time it's season away with the slackers. One of the things that makes Grace so amazing is that we had nothing to do with it. Just to think that Jesus, as the scripture says, is he that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And so just think about it. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I can't live. And he died the, the death that we should have died, that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, this grace is amazing. But we have to be careful because there are a lot of teachings out here and doctrines out here that would suggest that grace is a license to continue in sin. So I'm reminded of Romans chapter 6. Verse 1 through 2 that says, what shall we say then? Are we are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And so what am I saying? If you are truly a Christian, if you are truly born again, you won't have a desire to continue in sin but you'll have a desire to repent and turn away from sin. But listen, I want to share this final thought with you and please hear me good. I believe there is a good that separates people from God, including many Christians. When people believe in the existence of hell, they usually won't hesitate to put murderers, rapists and pedophiles there. But I believe there is a good that can also be found there. Usually when someone is evil according to society's standards, they know they are evil, but it is the person that does good that usually fails to realize they are evil. For example, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 22, we see the rich young ruler who proudly lets Jesus know of all of his good deeds and how he had kept all of the commandments since his youth. He then boldly asked Jesus, what lack I yet? Not because he knew his deeds weren't enough, but because he thought they were enough. We then see Jesus respond, telling him to sell all that he has and to give the profit to the poor and to follow him and that he will have great treasure in heaven. Despite the rich young ruler being rich in good deeds, we see it didn't matter. And his love for his wealth is what kept him from following Jesus. Here's what I'm learning. Many of us can be like the rich young ruler and feel because we have good deeds and go to church, pay tithes, give to the poor and aren't murderers or pedophiles that all of this is good enough in God's eyes. What we don't realize is that those good things are sometimes the very things we use as an excuse not to surrender our idols to Jesus, just like the rich young ruler. In light of God's holiness, Jesus told the rich young ruler that there is none righteous but God. The reality is we aren't good people with the ability to do evil, but we are evil with the ability to do good. The Bible lets us know all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3 and 23. Jesus didn't die for good people, but he died for bad people that they may be able to become the righteousness of God according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. As we live in a world that wants good without God, 
I'm not concerned with most Christians ability to recognize good done by non-Christians. I believe we do a great job at celebrating secular culture. My concern is when we settle for good deeds and positivity as a replacement for the gospel, losing our urgency to love and warn people. As a result, we become less bold, more vague, and even evasive when it comes to sharing Christ for the sake of worldly acceptance. Our messages become more motivational and self-centered versus focusing on the gospel and the glory of God. We learn how to pursue and trust God for what we want versus learning how to pursue and trust him for what he desires. It should grieve the church when professing Christians care more about the praise of men than they do their souls. It is true that by our love, the world would know we are his disciples, according to John 13 and 35. But we must remember love does not rejoice in evil, but it rejoices in truth, according to 1 Corinthians 13 and 6. Our good deeds should flow from the gospel, not be a replacement for it. So my prayer is that we see God's plan through the lens of scripture and not pop culture. Listen, I love you guys. Jesus loves you. Make sure you visit pathofrevelationnow.com. You can leave your prayer request there. Any questions that you have um, concerning what you may have heard on previous shows. And you can also leave suggestions for topics that you would like to hear discussed on future shows. And thank you for listening to the Path of Revelation show. And this is where the culture meets scripture. <laughs>